Welcome to Marksman. I'm Mark Spellman, your host, and so glad you're joining the podcast today. So glad you're joining the conversation. Welcome, men. Hey, I hope you'll share this podcast with your friends and uh, even those who may not even be followers of Christ yet, yet not yet made that commitment. And uh, if that's you listening to the program, welcome. You're you're an honored guest. We're glad that you're interested in learning more about what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christ follower? Uh, maybe one of your friends, maybe one of your coworkers, maybe your boss uh, shared the podcast with you. And if you're not yet a follower of Christ, again, you're welcome. Hope you'll listen all the way through the end of the program. Um, it's not going to be a super long program, but really what it's all about is a conversation. And at the end of the day here at Family Mission and with the Marks. Uh, podcast here's a win here's how we measure a win at the end of the day is if something that is said today somehow marks your heart and provokes conversation with the lord that it provokes because that's all prayer is is just conversation with the lord and conversation of course is not just what i say to him but it's you know conversation is two way it's what he's saying to me. So if there's any way we can provoke conversation between you and the Lord, that at the end of the day is a win for us here at Family Mission. And it's a win for me here on Marksman. And so again, glad you're listening to the program today. Um, I don't know what your day was like. I had a I had an all day mo day. Have you ever had an all day mo day that turns into a landscape day, a bush trimming day, <laughs> a honeydew list day, and uh, helping the neighbor kind of day? And man, that's it's a good day. It's it's a it's a good tired. You know what I'm saying? There's a good tired, and uh, so I don't know. Um, I got. Uh, been using a zero turn mower. I don't know if anybody out there uh, uses zero turn mowers. I didn't grow up on that kind of technology. I did not at all. But I'm telling you, man, (laughs) that is some blessed, blessed technology. I mean, you can flat get your mowing done. And uh, anyway, got to use a zero turn uh, today on some of the projects I was working on here doing some mowing but anyway i don't know you uh if you have your favorite mower you might uh drop it in the comments or shoot me an email at spellmanministries at gmail.com you know we do want this to be a conversation not only uh just me talking to you with you um but please uh send us uh send us some response send us uh send me um send us here our family here at uh, family mission let us hear from you what are your prayer requests what are your interests if you have a favorite mower hey why don't you tell me say hey you got to try this mower out this this thing rocks <laughs> but anyway that was my day i don't know what your day was like today but uh i'm sure every man can relate to a a good hearty mow day and uh, anyway but 
that's not what we're on the program talk about but you know again it's it's life life is uh, is god's a part of everything in fact god can speak to you while you're doing anything and if you just keep your heart open to him he gets involved in everything he delights in being involved in everything and he gives us wisdom for everything i mean he literally uh in the old testament put his spirit the bible says the spirit of the lord was put upon two men and they were anointed as they were making uh things for the tabernacle these men were anointed as craftsmen and uh you know no matter what our craft is no matter what our work is we should invite the wisdom of the creator we should invite the wisdom of our Heavenly Father. We should welcome the wisdom of Holy Spirit. He is not just a genius. He is omnipotent. He knows everything. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. And He's all-knowing. And He knows the best way to do everything. And so I encourage you men. Uh, seek the Lord, invite the Lord into everything, whether you're mowing on the weekend, whether you're doing your uh, vocation, your career, your your nine to five, whatever your line of work is, just invite him in. Welcome the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Welcome the wisdom of your father, the creator of heaven and earth. He knows how to build. He knows how to fix things. He knows how to <laughs> he knows how to repair things. So anyway, that's enough of the maybe the the general welcome. But, uh, you know, sometimes I get all excited to get on this podcast. I jump right into teaching, just right into sharing what's on my heart because my heart's just always on fire with the word of God, with the, the truth of the word. It's It's what's changing my life. It's what's given me my focus. It's what's making me fruitful. It's what's making me a, a good husband, a good father. It's what's making me a productive man is the is the word of God and my relationship with Holy Spirit and my relationship with God as my Father, and of course, following my King, Jesus. And this, this program, Marksman, is all about men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ-likeness. And so, if you're listening today, that's what this conversation is all about. How do we aim our life at Christ-likeness? If you've listened to the program recently, we have been on a series, a lengthy series, and I make no apologies for that. Um, it's a tremendous series because it's out of Hebrews chapter 11. This is biblically the Hall of Fame of Faith. It's the Hall of Fame of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11. If you go through Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, over and over again, mentioning different individuals, starting with Abel in verse 4, Hebrews 11, 4, by faith, Abel offered. In fact, we should back up, though. Verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen... Uh, we're not made of things which do appear. And then by faith, Abel. And verse 5, by faith, Enoch. And then verse 7, by faith, Noah. And then verse 8, by faith, 
Abraham. Now, all of these men we've talked about in previous podcasts, and they're all labeled here. If you just follow the Marksman uh, series, you'll find all the labels uh, where we talked about Enoch. We talked about Noah. Noah was a great discussion. Had two of my sons, uh, both Samuel and Daniel, were part of that conversation just because, hey, that was a family thing, building that ark. And from time to time, I've had uh, our sons on here. And Sam, in particular, has been on here a number of times on Marksman. He's a he's a coveted guest on the program. He is truly a man who's been marked by Christ. Both of my sons are tremendous, tremendous blessings. Um, but that one with Noah was kind of a fun one. It was just kind of fun. Uh, Samuel and Daniel and I talking about, you know, just a a family venture, a family adventure, a family uh, living for God, walking with God, fulfilling a kingdom purpose. And, uh, of course, Noah built an ark for the saving of his house. But then we got into Abraham, spent a lot of time with Abraham, him and Sarah, um, all the way. That's Hebrews 11, all the way down through verse 17 18, 19, and then we got into Isaac, by faith Isaac, uh, and then Jacob, verse 21, spent about two or three weeks on each of them, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because in the Bible, God is called repeatedly the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then, of course, we spent uh, several weeks talking about Joseph, of course, one of the 12 sons of Israel or Jacob, Um, quite a a lesson there. So if you've missed any of the program, just go back, uh, hit hit them on your playlist and uh, check them out. Great conversations from Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Fame. And today... We're going to jump into verse 23, by faith, Moses. Somebody say Moses. I mean, is there anybody more iconic? <laughs> I mean, than Moses. Oh, my goodness. Um <clears throat> We're going to talk about Moses beginning in Hebrews 11, verse 23. In fact, let me just read you the portions of Scripture that talk about Moses And then we'll kind of just set things up. We're not going to dive too deep today in today's conversation. We're just going to kind of tee it up for future conversations. And uh, I do plan to bring in Samuel on some of these conversations coming up with Moses. So be looking forward to that in the weeks to come. But here we start in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a proper child. Um, That's King James, New King James. They were not afraid of the king's command. So this, this effort to hide him was not because of fear. This was an effort to protect the child. So their effort to hide the child, and we'll go back to Exodus 2 in just a minute, kind of look at the details on that. But I just wanted you to catch that right out of the gate, that just because they hid him, just because they protected him, it was not fear-based. It was motivated by their faith. It was motivated by their trust in God, because you're going to see what they do in Exodus 2. And it was, I mean, they had to totally trust God to do what they did. 
So they hid him. They were not afraid of the king's command. Then by faith, when he was come to years, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect to the recompense of the reward. Notice the recompense of the reward. He he knew there was a reward. Um, notice back in verse 6 of Hebrews 11, we understand that without faith is it is impossible to please God, because to please him we must come to him believing in him, but also knowing that he is a rewarder. So when we see what Moses was doing, it's right in line with what the Bible says earlier in the same chapter, that faith in God is not only believing that he exists, but you believe that he's a rewarder when you do life his way. And that's what it means to aim your life at Christ likeness. It's doing life God's way. It's doing life in line with the word. It's doing life in line with the example that Jesus Christ gave us when he lived and walked this earth. He Yes, he was our substitute. Yes, he was our redeemer. Yes, he was our deliverer. Yes, he was our savior. But he was also our example And he was our example of what it looks like when a man remains in the love of God, when a man remains faithful to God, when a man remains under the Father's uh, direction for his life and plan for his life, when a man does life God's way. And so when we believe that God is, we must believe that God is a rewarder of those who will do life his way. And that's what faith simply is. It's I was talking to my son earlier. He put a post out on social media and it was a quote um, by Raymond T. Ritchie, which says, what is faith? It's just simply acting like the Bible's true, simply acting like the Word of God is true. So we're going to have to act a certain way. We're going to have to behave a certain way in line with the Word of God, in line with the Scripture, simply acting like the Word of God is true. That's faith. Faith is believing that God is, and it's believing that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and do life his way. And that's what Moses did. He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. We see this repeated theme of not fearing. How many times when an angel shows up is the first word out of their mouth? Fear not. Fear not. Faith is the opposite of fear. The Bible says he that has been perfected in love does not fear. And if we do fear, all it shows is we've not yet been perfected in love. And our faith, of course, is attached to 
It's focused on the love of God, the love that God has for us and the love that he's put in us. And that's what we love our wives with. That's what we love our children with. That's what we love people with. And that's how we live life by faith. So by faith, verse 27, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured him as seeing him who was invisible. And then through faith, he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest the destroyer of the firstborn would have touched them. And then finally, verse 29, by faith, they passed through the Red Sea. Even on dry land, when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. So we have verse 23 through verse 29 of Hebrews chapter 11. All those verses are talking about kind of a snapshot of Moses, how he did things by faith. And remember, we talked extensively, especially with the life of Abraham, that faith is a word that describes trust. If you're going to have faith in God, you're going to trust God. It's not faith that's just informational. It's faith that's relational. Like Paul said, I know in whom I have believed, 2 Timothy 1.12. And he said, I'm persuaded that he will keep that which I've committed to him. Notice Paul didn't say, I know what I believe. He said, I know whom I believe. Faith is relational. It's not just informational, because if your if your faith is just attached to a thought theology, that's a very shallow, empty, uh, religious faith. But when your faith is attached to trusting the man, Jesus Christ, trusting God as our father, trusting the person of Holy Spirit. Whom Jesus said, when I raise from the dead, I will send him to you. And just like he said in John 14, 15, 16, he said, just like I'm with you, he's going to be with you. Just like I'm a comforter present with you, a helper, he's going to be with you. You read John 14, 15, 16, Jesus always referred to Holy Spirit as he because he is a person. He's a person just like Jesus. He's a person just like God our Father. This is the beloved Trinity. God our Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And so this faith is relational. We are trusting Holy Spirit. We are trusting Jesus Christ. We are trusting God, our Father God, our Father Creator God. And so when Paul said, I know in whom I have believed, that's, that's, that's quite a bit different than saying just I know what I believe. And it's good to know what you believe, but go deeper. Go deeper, men. It's about who we're believing. It's about who we're trusting because faith is all about trust. I love to always make this mention, you know, the very center of the Bible if you uh, divide the chapters of the Bible, you take the total number of chapters. I think there's 1,188, I believe, something like that is is the halfway mark. It puts you at Psalm 118 and verse 8. Let me go there real quick. So if you if you just take numerically the chapters of the Bible 
and you divide them in half, and then you take the verses of the Bible, total number, numerically, cut them in half, you end up in Psalm 118 and verse 8. That's the halfway point. That's the the center, mathematically, of the Bible. You know, God's into math. He's got a book called Numbers, right? (laughs) Anyway, Psalm 118, verse 8, I think this is really cool. Here's what it says. It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in man. Come on now. It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in man. So what's the what's the heart of the issue with the Bible, where the Bible's concerned? It's about trust. Psalm 118.8, it's better to put your trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Because what was lost in the garden, what man lost in the garden was trust. What God lost in the garden was trust. And what was restored in the Garden of Eden, what was restored in the life of Jesus Christ, was trust. Jesus was a man who trusted God as Father implicitly. He said, I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I've heard with my Father. He even said, the teaching, my teaching is not my own, but it is the Father's. And he said, the miracles that you see me do, it's not me. It's the Father working the works. And so there was an implicit trust that Jesus had in his Father, in his Father's plan, in his Father's wisdom, in his Father's will, in his Father's way, in the Scriptures. He had an implicit trust. And then he exampled that and he modeled that for us as men, how we can follow God just like he followed him. And in fact, he prayed in John 17 specifically that we would follow God just like he followed God, that we would be one with God just like he was one with God. And so back to Hebrews chapter 11, back to the life of Moses. Moses was a man who trusted God. Moses was a man who walked with God. So let's let's begin our study here. And of course, we're... um, We're not going to go a whole lot longer on today's podcast, but we are going to introduce with all of our remarks up until this point, just kind of clearing out the underbrush. You know what I'm saying? Before we land some truths down in our heart, it's kind of like if you're going to cut a tree down, sometimes you got to clear out all the underbrush before you can land that tree right where you want it and not get it all hung up, tangled up and have you you know, hard time getting to it. So if you're going to fell a tree, you got to sometimes clear out some of the underbrush. And so some of the comments up until this point are just kind of clearing up issues in our heart, just clearing up and just kind of going through some conversation with you men today as we um, continue on. This has been a long series and I know it has been, but again, I make no apologies for it. I was directed by the Lord to go through Hebrews chapter 11, to focus on God's hall of fame, where men had faith in God, men trusted God, and we have these men as our examples. And I hope if you've missed any of the programs, you'll go back and pick up some of those conversations. But again, back to verse 23, Hebrews 11, this is Moses. When he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Um, 
Well, actually, verse 23, I... I jumped ahead right there. Verse 23 says, when he was born, he was hidden by by his parents for three months because they saw that he was a proper child and they did not fear the king's command. So let's go back to Exodus chapter 2 and let's just pick up the context of this. Exodus chapter 2, here this is the, the birth of Moses. Exodus chapter 2, just beginning in verse 1, it says, And there there went a man of the house of Levi. He took a wife of the daughters of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, saw that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not any longer hide him, she took him and she created a little ark, a little boat, you might say, out of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and pitch and put the child in it, created like a little, I don't know, a little floating boat, you know, that she's going to, she's literally going to put the child in this little boat. Remember what I said earlier, uh, this is trust. I mean, she's going to release the child. And it takes faith, you know, to not only raise a child, but then to release a child, you know, into the care of God, into the care of God's hand and God's uh, leadership and God's stewardship and God's protection. And so here, this woman, this mama is uh, is doing a very brave thing, a very amazing thing as she trusts God. She, she creates this little boat and puts little Moses in it and uh, puts it by the river and uh, laid it in there by the, you know, the reeds in the river. And the sister stood afar off um, just to kind of watch and see what was going to happen as the little child floated down the river. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself, taking a bath in the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when they saw the little boat, the little ark among the flags or the reeds, she went um, and sent the maid to go fetch it. And when she had opened it up, she saw the child. So here's Pharaoh's daughter finding this little child, which we know to be Moses. And the baby, of course, is weeping. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Now, remember, um, the children of Israel were captive in the nation of Egypt. They were slaves in the nation of Egypt. They were they were slaves under Pharaoh's command, and now Pharaoh's daughter has found a child of one of the Hebrews, and she recognizes that. Verse 7, Exodus 2. Then said she to her sister, um, or then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse from the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? Pharaoh's daughter said, Go. And the maid went and actually found the child's mother. Come on, somebody. Is that not amazing? She released the son. She released the child. And the child came back to her. (laughs) Come on. Oh, that's so powerful. That's trust. That's faith. But notice, it pays to trust God. It pays to, to put your trust in him. 
She released the child. She trusted God. And now she has been brought back to her child. And she's actually, if you look at verse eight, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse it for me. I will give you wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. So not only did she get reunited with her child, now she's going to get paid to take care of it. Come on. Somebody say, God is good. God is good. And verse 10, the child grew and she brought him unto Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter. And she, he, I'm sorry, he became her son and she called his name Moses. So she's the one who named him. The Pharaoh's daughter did. She named him Moses for she said, because I drew him out of the water. That's what the name Moses means, being drawn from the water. And so here we see from the very beginning, Hebrews chapter 11, we were uh, looking at that verse 23. Let me get there again. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a goodly, beautiful child. They were not afraid of the king's command, but they trusted. But then notice verse 24 when Moses came to age, and that's back in Exodus 2 where we just left off, verse 10, it came to pass in those days when Moses had grown that he went out to his brethren. So something is drawing him back to his people, back to his tribe, we might say. He's being called back to his family. And there's a draw there. He's grown up in Pharaoh's house. He's been educated by the best. He's, he's lived the best life. He's lived a privileged life. No doubt. He's lived a privileged life. He's been educated. He's been schooled. He's been trained. And he's had a life of privilege. He's lived in Pharaoh's home. And so now he feels this yearning for his people, this yearning. And I love what it says that in Hebrews 11, verse 24, when he came of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, I hope you'll just hold with me just these last few minutes before we sign off here today, because this, all this is leading up to these last few minutes. That phrase, when Moses came to age, when he came to a realization that, yeah, I might be in Pharaoh's house. Yeah, I might have everything this world has to offer me, but I'm not with my people. I'm not at home in my heart. You know, this is the great story of the prodigal son. He came home to his father's house. And see, Moses knew he had to go home. Moses knew who his people were. Moses knew who his family was. And he, when he came to that realization, I like to say it this way. There's a pastor here locally um, in the region where we're at, Pastor David Craig. He uses a phrase of coming to faith, coming to faith. And I would like to use that phrase right here, just borrowing that from Pastor David. Moses came to faith. Moses came to a realization. And at that point, verse 24, Hebrews 11 says, because he came to faith when he realized who he was, when he realized that I'm not born for Pharaoh, 
I'm born for God's purpose. I'm born for God's people. I'm a Hebrew. He realized who he was. And that's what every heart should have the privilege of doing, of coming alive, coming awake, discovering who we really are. And it all begins with the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Peter, well, actually Simon at the time, cried out and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus turned to him and said, Simon, and you are Peter. And upon this rock, this revelation, I'm going to build my church. So it all begins with the revelation of Jesus Christ. But once we have a revelation of Jesus Christ, then Jesus Christ, he and he alone, can tell us who we really are. Because all of us men have had life try to put a label on us. We've had experiences try to put a label on us. We've had the home we grew up in try to put a label on us. We've had the experiences we've gone through, again, try to put a label on us. And again, not that all of those things are bad. I'm not saying everybody's just had a horrendous life and a bad life and a, and a you know, just a bad deal of the deck. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying no matter what we've went through, we have to make sure that only Jesus Christ can tell us who we really are. But when we come to that realization that this man, this man, Jesus Christ, he and he alone can tell me who I really am. And I'm going to begin walking with him, just like those early first disciples, when he said, come, follow me, come, follow me. Maybe some of you, uh, I mentioned you early in the program, maybe you're just you're just checking out this program. You're just checking out this conversation, this podcast, wondering what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What does it mean to be uh, marked by Christ and aiming your life at Christ's likeness? Well, it all begins with a decision to follow Jesus. It all begins with the decision realizing that Jesus Christ, He and He alone can tell me who I really am. And He and He alone is, is able to, to release my true identity. And that's that's the place Moses came to. See, when Moses came to age, when Moses came to faith, when he, when he came to that place where he decided, I'm no longer going to let the world define me. I'm no longer, even though he had the privilege of privilege, he said, I'm not going to let it tell me who I am. I'm not going to take this privilege. I'm going to go be with my people. I'm going to go be with my family. And we'll pick it up in the next program. Obviously, it got off to a bad start. He did some things in the flesh. It created a lot of trouble for him. It put him on the backside of the desert for 40 years. But God never forgot who Moses was. And Moses' identity that he laid his life down to embrace this new identity, it eventually pays off. It starts out a little rocky. It starts out a little bit rough. And you're going to see that as we go through this journey together. But Listen, this man Moses, we can learn a lot from his life. We can learn a lot from his faith, his trust in God. It began when he was a baby. His parents put him in that little boat. They they entrusted him and his future to God. God eventually brought him back to his mama. His mama was nursed him as a slave, was paid to take care of him. Eventually, she had to hand him over to Pharaoh's daughter. She named him Moses. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. But eventually, 
like we just read in Hebrews, I'm sorry, Exodus 2.11, it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked and he saw their burdens and he spied something going on. I'm not going to get into that right now. But the point is, he came to age and he realized, I need to be with my people. There was something burning in his heart to deliver his people from the bondage. There was a there was a fire in his belly that he was going to deliver his people, his family from the bondage, from the bondage that Pharaoh had put him in. Pharaoh that had given him a life of privilege, a life of excellence, a life of education, a life of privilege. He was going to set his people free from this taskmaster named Pharaoh. And there's so many parallels to you and I coming out of Egypt, out of sin, out of that identity that the world wants to put on us. And we embrace the identity that God wants to put on us as men, the identity that God wants to put on us as followers of Christ, as men who've been marked by Christ. And so back in Hebrews 11, as we work towards a wrap up here, third closing, (laughs) Uh, by faith, when he was come of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So this is the evidence that we come to faith. We start refusing things in the world. We start refusing to do things the way the world does them. We start refusing certain conversations. We start refusing watching certain programs. We start refusing listening to certain music. We start refusing to be a part of certain conversations. We start refusing going certain places. We start refusing to speak to our wives and families in a certain way. We, In other words, by faith, when we come to faith in Christ, it's going to mean there's going to be some refusing that takes place when we come to faith. When we come to a a revelation of not just who Jesus Christ is, but as he begins to reveal who we are in God's plan for our life. And so just like Moses, he had to refuse. He esteemed the reproach. In other words, why did he refuse? He had his eye on the prize. That's paraphrase. He had the he had his eye on the the what it calls the reward, the recompense of the reward. He esteemed the reproach of Christ. That means of course Jesus wasn't there present. So when it says Christ, that's referring to the anointing or him being anointed. See, he was going to be anointed as a deliverer. God was going to put his presence on him. God was going to put a call on his life. And so there's a call on your life. There's a presence and a power and a a plan and a purpose for you. And just like Moses, we're going to have to choose to suffer some affliction so that we can esteem the reproach of of being anointed, being a Christ follower. It's, It's going to bring some reproach. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer some reproach, some persecution. But notice, he, he esteemed that reproach greater riches than the treasures of Egypt because he looked to the reward. Again, God is a 
rewarder. So I want to leave you with that today as we wrap up today's conversation. God is a rewarder. There's nothing that he would ever ask us to lay down to to start to start refusing certain things to to forsake certain things but the only reason he would do that is so that he could then offer us something better there's always something better he has to offer if he's asking us to lay something down to refuse something even if it cost us something even if it cost us persecution even if it cost us rejection at work and by our peers people that we used to kind of run with and hang with and we we stop doing those things we stop going to those places we we stop telling those jokes we we stop being a part of just the gripe and the gossip at work, we start, you know, we, we stop those things and that brings persecution. But here's the thing, like Moses, let's keep our eye on the prize. God is a rewarder. There's a blessed life. There's a life of, of purpose. There's a life of fulfillment. There's a life that not only has promise in this life, but in the life to come, eternal riches. And so God is a rewarder. That's Hebrews eleven six. That's one of the great lessons of this chapter. All of these men, why did they trust God? Why did they obey God? Why did they follow sometimes radical, radical instructions? Why did they push through radical resistance, opposition? Why did they push through desert seasons in their life? Because God's a rewarder. God is faithful. So I want to leave you with that today, men. God is faithful. God is a rewarder. And I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. Thank you for being a part of the conversation. Hope you'll share this podcast. There's information in the the link below how you can do that, how you can be a part of the conversation, how you can be in touch with us. But again, this program is all about men who have been marked by Jesus Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ-likeness.